Today is going to be a, a different sermon because you're all going to have something to do. And that's going to be handed out to you in a few minutes. And you're going to be doing it while I'm preaching. And so I'm sorry, all you people watching on the internet, you're going to be missing out on this experience. You should show up in person. <laughs> so uh, just to uh, heighten your expectation, that will be in, in about five minutes time when we get to that. So my, my title today is, What Does It Mean to Walk in the Spirit? Do you ever say to yourself, I'm such a failure as a Christian, I just keep, seem to keep on falling to the, into the same old patterns? Uh, if I could only find the answer. Are you with me here? And uh, uh, the second issue is, I don't want to just be surviving as a Christian, but I want to be moving in the power of the Spirit. I want to see victory for the kingdom in my life. And I have two questions. When we try to live in a way that, that, that follows Jesus, why do we keep failing? That was my first thing. The second, why am I not growing in the Spirit's supernatural gifts? And I want to, to say that those turn out to have the same answer, and the answer is to walk in the Spirit. So that is our title today. Now, I can't promise you a magic bullet today. Uh, for 2,000 years, people have tr been trying to give the answer, finally discovered, of how to walk in the Spirit. And, you know, it's been hidden for all this time, but now I can tell you, come on this seminar, buy this book. And, you know, the internet is full of people trying to give you the magic bullet answer to this question. I'm not going to promise to do that at all. All I have from you is a passage from Galatians. And I'm going to ask that God speaks to you from this passage. And so the, what we're going to do is to look at the new reality of the Spirit. This is our foundation. And then we're going to look at Galatians 5. And then I'm going to give you four steps, which I, I think come out of Galatians 5, A, B, C, and D. So the new reality of the Spirit, this is our foundation. So we're going to do this, and then we're going to get into, into Galatians. Um, there is a new creation, the kingdom of heaven, and you're all familiar with this. Um, this new creation is invisible, it's invisible realm, um, but uh, parts of it can be visible when you know, God does something uh, supernaturally, um, but we're going to see there are categories of the flesh and the spirit which are prominent throughout the New Testament. And so we're going to be focusing this morning on these two categories, the flesh and the spirit. And of course, our desire is to be walking in the spirit. And so a uh, couple of scriptures before we go on to Galatians. Romans uh, 1, 3 to 4. Concerning his son, who was descended from David, this is talking of Jesus, according to the flesh, and was appointed the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, <clears throat> this sounds odd. Um, verse 4 says, uh, appointed here, um, the Son of God. Now, some translations have uh, tra uh, declared to be the Son of God, but actually that's not what it says. 
in, in the original, it says appointed. So was he not the son of God? Was Jesus not the son of God before the resurrection? Well, it seems when you look at the scriptures that actually something that Jesus took on something that he wasn't before. He took on a, a role as being the new Adam, the new firstborn of humanity. And then you might say, well, God can't change. And that's true. But nevertheless, the scriptures say that, 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 that Jesus did something. He stepped into a new role. And actually, forever now, he has a human body. It's a new creation body. But he, has, he is now part of humanity, as well as being divine. Being the God-man wasn't just a temporary thing. But he's taken it on forever for our sake. He's no less God but he's taken something new on at this point in the resurrection. And uh, so verse 3 simply means, uh, born according to the flesh, that he had human mother and he had human DNA um, from, from Mary. Um, and so the second one, uh, born, uh, appointed to be the God, uh, son of God in power, means that he took on new creation life. And so the New, the, the New Testament constantly refers to Jesus' resurrection being from the power of the Spirit. When Jesus was raised from the dead, it was the power of the Spirit. And we need to, we need to focus on this, and I'll explain why. Um, another verse would be, he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So Jesus, he's the first one who is entering this new humanity. So here's a very important but difficult few verses. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. Of course, that Jesus is talking about. The first man was from the earth, a man made of dust. So we know that Adam was made from dust. God took the dust of the earth and breathed into it and made. So what was Jesus' new creation body made of? Well, he's from heaven, as was the man of dust, so also are those who have dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are heaven, from heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of of the man of heaven. So what it's saying here is that the second, the material that we're made from is the stuff of heaven. So the first man was made from the earth. The second man is from the heaven. The first was from dust, but now we are from heaven. We are, the, the, the new creation is made of, the, made from the spirit, made by the spirit. So um, so just as we inherit the physical bodies from our parents, we inherit DNA from Jesus in, as being in the new creation. So uh, this is a foundation. It's important to get this. It's, it's not easy to understand, but it's very important. And so here's another one, in case you don't believe me from the other two. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So I'm trying to make a bridge 
between the fact that we are in the new creation, living in the new creation, and life in the spirit amount to the same thing. So walking in the spirit is the same as walking in the new person we are in the new creation. And of course, when we die, the old body will be gone and we will just be our new creation bodies. So I'm laying this foundation because we really need it in order to understand the passage in Galatians. And the new creation began at Jesus' resurrection. So I'm going to ask Anne to hand out our activity now. And uh, we're going to... uh, So don't look at it because I want you to be looking at concentrating on what I'm saying. But when it's fully handed out, I'll explain to you what you get. So, um, I want to look at four laws of the new creation. The substance of the creation is the spirit. Just to sum up now. To live is to love. We live in the new as much as we love. We exist as dependent beings. We can't do anything by ourselves. And we access this new power when we follow Jesus by stepping out in love. So, Um, What we're going to do then, has everyone got their copy? Okay, great. Now, what you have is a folded piece of paper, and we have Galatians here, and I'm going to explain what we're going to do with it, and then we're going to walk through the passage. Now, one of the ways that people in ancient times wrote uh, their... uh, did their writings was using a pattern where you start off with an idea which leads to another idea and then a third and a fourth and then you answer the, the fourth idea back to the third, the second and then you come back to the first and each one kind of matches and this was a, a common way not just in, in biblical writers but in many writers of ancient times and it enables you to partly to showcase your truth in in beauty. Because, you know, if you have a truth, it's like a beautiful diamond. But why not putting it in a lovely setting as well? And so, if you like, the setting that, that the truth is contained in reflects the beauty of that truth. And so, ancient writers wouldn't just, bl- just write it down. They would try and weave it into a, a, a beautiful poetry, the way it's written. And that's what you have in front of you. But also, it's not just the poetry. There's a logic behind it as well. There's a flow behind it as well. And we're going to see that. So, uh, let's... Uh, right now, you don't, it's already opened at the first part. And we start with the law of love. And the law of love, it's the yellow part there. In verse 13, it says, For you, brothers and sisters, were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole body is summed up in one command. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if, you, if that's all he wrote, and the part that's folded up was not visible, he just went straight on to, verse six, to chapter 6, it would make perfect sense. So if we read on here, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in some sin, you who are spiritual, restore the person in a spirit of gentleness. Pay attention to yourself so you're not also tempted to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of, of Christ. 
and then he continues the theme. So you should be reading from your piece of paper, as I, most of you are. Don't read, just read from the screen. That's for the people who are on the internet who don't have the paper. So, um, so you can see here, if all Paul had written were those two marked in yellow, it would make perfect sense. And he could have just left it like that. But uh, the, 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 the question about the law of love raises the question, well, what's the opposite to that? If I'm not walking in that, what is there? Now I want you to open it and I want you to fold it so that you can see the red as well, like I've got on the screen there. So fold it down. So uh, if you can see, I folded it here. Um, I've just folded it one more step down so I can see the two reds now. So a little bit more is folded down and I can see yellow, red, red, yellow. Is that right? You've got that? So just fold it, fold it down again. So, um, so there are two folds in now. There's original fold and there's a fold a little bit further down the paper. And uh, so you can see both of them. So it should look like that now with, with um, the, the two of them visible. Now if we read it, we're going to see again it makes perfect sense. Uh, the next bit says, if you continually, continually bite and devour one another, beware that you're not consumed by one another. And then the lower bit says, let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So this is the opposite to the law of love. So just so that we can get clarity, he's given us the positive description and the negative description of the law of love. Okay, so... Uh, that leads to the question then, uh, how do we do the first and not the second? How do we do the yellow, the law of love, and not the red, which is the opposite to that? How do we do that? And so uh, you can now fold it down again so that you can see the blue section. And if you fold it down, you'll see the blue. And the blue, you'll see, it says, walk in the spirit. There we go. You have to actually fold it quite tightly on the top of the blue in order to properly cover the other one. And um, so it's something like that. Uh, the law of love, the opposite of the law of love, and walk in the spirit. And now we're going to see these verses. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And then the other one says, if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. So this in outline is the basis of his argument. We've got two ways of living. We've got uh, following the law of love and we've got the opposite of the law of love. And the way to live in the law of love is by walking in the spirit. And if that's all he'd done, those, those three sections, uh, it would have made perfect sense. He could have left it at that. But it does raise some questions. So it raises the question, well, like, Paul, how do I do this? Like, what's going on here? It doesn't work that easily for me. And so what he's done then is add a, a description in the D about the desires of the flesh. So fold it down again so you can see that orange section. And uh, you've probably got lots of folds now. You should have something that looks like that with the... Um, the orange sections visible, and now we have the um, this description, which we can probably all resonate with, which is going on now 
uh, in our lives. And uh, it starts with, the flesh's desires are against the spirit, and the spirit's desires are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other, so that you do not do the things that you want to do. Anybody have that experience? You really wanted to be doing something, but you end up, uh, why did I do that? I can't believe it. I, I didn't mean, and, and we end up by doing this stuff that's from the flesh. And the, the, um, the second part of it, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Hey, wait a minute, Paul. This is different. Up to now, you've said pretty much the same thing in the one above and the one below. But here, the second part is answering the first part. The second part is giving the solution to the problem raised in the first. The first part says there's a fight going on inside you and you end up by doing the things you don't want to do. But the second part says the fight's been won because Jesus has crucified this flesh. He's crucified it. The fight has been won. Huh. Uh, Paul, what, what, what's happening? Paul, I, I need some more here. What's going on? Um, so it turns out that there are two warring factions within us, and he's going to expand on this now in E. Uh, the law doesn't operate in the realm of the flesh. So open the green part, E, and you'll see his summary here of what's happening here. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then against such things, there is no law. And so I'm going to uh, give us, we're going to open it completely in just a moment. Before we do, um, uh, the, the problem that people often have, if I go back to these, this here, um, the war that we have within us with the bad things that are happening in E, um, sometimes people think, well, my problem is the, re- if, the, the thing that could get me um, living a better life is um, I just need to be tougher on myself against this, this, these, these bad things I do. I just really need to slam myself. I heard about someone who left the church because he wanted to find them a church that would really whip him into shape. He wanted the preacher to just smash him down every Sunday so he could leave just crawling out of the church and, and feeling, feeling destroyed. So that would motivate him to live a better life that week and he wouldn't, wouldn't sin so much. And unfortunately, that is how a lot of us tend to think. You know, if I was really, you know, tougher, then I wouldn't have this problem. And Paul says, actually, that has got no power whatsoever. Bringing tougher laws against yourself has no effect. You won't get rid of your bad behavior by trying to, like, be brutal to yourself. And so... He, ha- he says, like, this is nothing to do with laws. The only way that this change in your life can happen is through the Spirit, not through laws. And uh, that leads him then into the center section. We can open it right out now, and you can see it all. And right in the middle, we have the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. So the works of the flesh. 
are the obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, depravity, idolatry, sorcery, acts of hate, discord, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish rivalry, dissensions, factions, envy, murder, drunkenness, orgies, and and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean to say that if you do any of those things ever, you're not a Christian. It means people who live in this as their lifestyle. But then the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you're familiar, I'm sure, with that list of the fruits of the Spirit. So often we know that list, but we don't see the beautiful um, uh, uh, surrounding that this jewel is mounted in and the way he's framed this uh, this uh, teaching. So notice that in both lists, almost all of these things are relational. Notice that it's all about how you treat one another in the flesh, and most of the fruits of the Spirit are about how you relate to one another. That's why another way of trying to deal with this problem, which is to go and live in the wilderness... Uh, in a monastery or something isn't going to help because all you're doing is taking yourself out of the out of any relationship with other people and so it's not actually going to help you to to be putting in place the fruits of the spirit all it's going to do is take you out of places where you can even relate to other people so um this then is the um is the core of the teaching but to actually understand how this works in our life is, is tricky. It's difficult. It's, it's, um, it's something which um, is not, I can't give you a magic answer, but I'm going to try and give you some pointers today on how we can do this, on how this can work. So uh, I don't know if any of you remember, Dan might remember, the old ways of tuning a guitar before you had electronic tuners was you'd have a tuning fork and you'd knock a tuning fork on your knee and it would be an A usually, and you'd tune your A string, you'd put your tuning fork on the bridge of the guitar, and if the, the A string was in tune, it would start vibrating with the tuning fork, because they're both A's, and they would both be buzzing together. You can actually do it, we could, we could do it here with, um, with two guitar strings. If both guitars are in tune and you pluck a string on one guitar, the same string should vibrate on the other guitar, because they, they are, they're in tune, they're tuned together. And so what I'm giving you this illustration because walk in the spirit is a little bit like saying, may your life be in tune with the spirit. Can it be resonating together? Um, So uh, when we want to be close to somebody, we, we want to know what their interests are and what they like doing. And we want to kind of, we want to kind of match our life to their life. We want to kind of be, our lives to be resonating together. And then we can, we can talk more easily with them. We can get to know them better if our lives are resonating in some kind of way. Um, um, but why is it so hard to do this? Uh, we get, uh, you know what happens is we're, we're living in the day and suddenly we get our button pushed and we're, and we're in a flash, we're, we're in the flesh and it's not planned, it just happens. Suddenly we start behaving in this wrong way. What is it? What can we do? 
Um, so often, what we think is this, in order to, to walk in love, I just need to stuff my emotions, I just need to push down the sadness and the anger, and I just need to just hide it down there and just walk in love. And that doesn't work at all, because what happens is it's all under pressure, and it all pops out at the worst possible moment and messes everything up. Um, walking in the spirit doesn't mean walking in denial of all the things that you're feeling. Um, so I'll tell you another, another fallacy before I get on to the positive. Another fallacy is this, is um, I want to walk in the spirit because I want to be the most spiritual person around. I just want to be an amazing Christian. And my motivation is I want, I want to be victorious in the Christian life, not I want to love these people around me. Um, that's kind of what I have to do in order to be this amazing Christian. And this is, I think, a problem with a, a movement, um, Christian disciplines movement, you see, like uh, how to be a victorious Christian. The goal shouldn't actually be being a wonderful Christian. The goal should be to love one another. And then, you know, that is how you grow. But that should be the goal. And sometimes I think we have, we have it upside down and we, we, we want to focus on being this amazing person. And the focus should actually be more on loving one another and following Jesus in that way. Um, and the opposite error, the opposite problem we can get into is being focused more on our failures than on the goal. So when we fail to love others, we just just brutally going for ourselves. Why didn't you do that? Why did you act in such an unloving way instead of focusing, no, let me get back to loving? Um, a great example of that is Peter and the way Jesus restored him when he fell. So Peter wasn't walking in the spirit when he'd betrayed Jesus. I'm sure you'd agree in that. He was, that was a pretty bad thing. So when Jesus restored him, what did Jesus do? Did Jesus say, okay, let's unpack what was happening there, Peter. Let's kind of go through what were the thoughts going on in your mind when this happened. Let's just make sure this doesn't happen again. You're, he doesn't do that at all, does he? He says, Peter, feed my sheep if you love me. Feed my lambs. And he directs him not to looking at himself and his own spiritual growth, but actually to loving others. And so I want to say that this, I'm talking about walking in the spirit here in this sermon, but the goal shouldn't be that. The goal should be loving one another by means of walking in the spirit. Do you get that? That's, is that clear? Because if, if our focus is to be super Christians because we're so spiritual, we've already taken our eyes off the goal that's there. So, um, so when you fail, when you mess up, don't beat yourself up. Focus on how you can immediately get up like Peter was brought up by Jesus to carry on the work of love. So let's uh, move on to our last point now. We've looked at the new reality of the Spirit, the foundation. We've spent some time with this passage. And now I'd like to look at these A, B, C, Ds. And as I said, it's not a magic bullet. It's just some suggestions that I found are, are good. And the first one, the A, is attention. And I would, so this is, don't be mindless, don't, don't live mindlessly, but recognize what is happening in you really quickly. 
So uh, when an idea, a thought comes into our mind to do something, often we jump straight into that and we don't have a space to say, where is that thought coming from? And just creating a little space between the thought coming and doing something to say, hey, where's that from? Can work wonders. To say, okay, which of those two lists does this 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 uh, thought fit into? And this is what Paul wants us to do. This is why he's giving us the list. So that when something comes in, we can say, ah, is this the spirit or is this the flesh? So I'm going to suggest that if we're a Christian, we've got two modes of living. And uh, an example might be if you have a, a driving a car that's a hybrid, you can drive it in two modes. You can drive it as, an, as a, a, a gas-powered vehicle, or you can drive it as an electric-powered vehicle. It can, it can work in either mode. And uh, you can decide at any point, am I going to drive it on gas, which might be expensive and polluting, or am I going to drive it on, on electricity, which is renewable? Which am I going to do? And you can switch between the two. And I'm going to suggest that if we're a Christian, we have the ability to do that. And that is what this, the, that is the central message that Paul has here in this passage. Because he's, when he says the flesh has been crucified, that means that you're free to switch it off. You're free. You have the power. It's not completely gone, but it's had a mortal wound. And you can switch to the spirit. But you're not going to switch to the spirit unless you notice what's happening. And when you, see, you, you take it just a moment to say, I've got a choice here. I could do this. I could do this. And in a flash, you can say, oh, well, this is the way of the spirit. This is where the spirit's leading me to. Let me do that. So this, if you like, this is the most important of the points. Because this is focusing on bringing Paul's attention to the two ways of living into the moment and just asking that question, where's that coming from? Now, um, I'm, I'm not saying this is easy. It requires some practice, but it is possible. So if somebody really irritates you, you can just say, I'm noticing that that person's really irritating me. Where's that coming from? Where's that irritation coming from? Just taking that moment can be enough to bring you back to this point. And you say, oh, you know what? I don't have to do that. I can just say, I'm going to put, I'm going to let the spirit take over here. The second is to believe in the new reality. Believe you actually have the, new, new, the power of a new person. The cosmic and eternal new you. And this, what's happening is far, is far more than your little issue, but the kingdom of heaven um, against the old reality. So when you see that this isn't just you and some little thing, but this is two kingdoms that are fighting here, the new kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and the, the, old, the old life, and they are the two. And so just a believing there's something more here and believing that you are have this new that you have this new reality in you. You actually have the new person in you. So why is that important? Because um, it's important because uh, often we don't think we can change and we don't think we can do anything. 
But actually we can, and the problem is that we're stuck in a way of thinking, this is just me, I always do this, I, this is just how I behave, I always, I always get cross when this happens. And we don't, we've got to say, no, I actually don't have to. What Paul says is true, there's a new me. So really, you can say this is believing there is a new me, a new me exists. If I, I guess I, should, I could have summarised in that, in that more quickly, the new me exists. The, second, the third thing is confidently call in for support. Ask for help, and it's there for you. Jesus defeated the enemy. So um, as, as I've, I've often mentioned, um, God seems to like to give me um, an opportunity to preach the sermon to myself before uh, preaching it to you guys. And... Um, this hadn't happened today until this morning when I was getting everything ready for church. And there were a few things that, um, that I had to do uh, to get um, the slides prepared. And I thought, I'll, I'll do those just as we're getting ready for church. I'll sit in a seat and do them. And I was having more and more problems doing it. And, it was go- and I could just feel this stress rising. And I was thinking, oh, no. I'm, this is so, oh dear, what am I going to do? This isn't going to work. I'm not going to be able to show this slide properly. And, and as the stress was coming, I thought, hey, maybe this is God. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through the ABCD. So I went through A. Okay, what's going on here? Well, I'm, I'm afraid um, I'm going to me- mess these slides up. But what, what's that coming to? Well, I'm going to look stupid in front of you guys. This is really what I'm worried about. I'm going to just look stupid. Andrew, like, what a mess you've made of those slides. And, and so, okay, is that the spirit or is that the flesh? Yeah, it's the flesh. All right, okay. So the second thing is, um, do I actually, am I, have the power to think differently? Am I new me? Yeah, okay. So confidently call in for support. And here, it's kind of, this is difficult because I actually have to say, God, I believe you I believe you can actually do this. And I'm not praying that the slides will be perfect. I'm praying that I will feel uh, the spirit as I'm speaking to you. And I won't be preoccupied by a mess I've made in the slides. That's what I'm praying. God, please, when I'm preaching today, give me your confidence to explain this message clearly. Because I know that's what you want me to do. And so I called in for support. God. And then the last one is dependently step out. And basically I had to say, God, okay, I'm going to believe you. You, you, you are, you've defeated the old me. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to live out this now. I'm just going to walk in and everything I can trust you for. So uh, you, this might be in your life. I do. You probably go through a lot such a diverse set of things of the people here, of, of challenges you have for walking in the Spirit. But um, I want you to try this in your life. I want you to try doing these things. And key to the idea is of these things is the tuning fork of being in tune. Because um, as you do these steps, these steps are like tuning yourself. They're like a retuning process. And as you tune yourself up, the power of the Spirit will flow. Just as, as two guitar strings are tuned, one guitar and one guitar and one on the other, and you pluck one on one, that power flows into the other because they're tuned together. So the Spirit will resonate more and more in you. 
And that answers the question about walking in the gifts of the Spirit. Because you're tuned together, you're resonating together, and there's a flow from the life of the Spirit into you. The part of you that is new, the part of you that is new creation, that is Spirit, that part will be living more. And your uh, D is dependence, it's dependently stepping out, and it's living more in this. And so, um, as you do this over time, then God's Spirit will flow more and more into you. But if, if you do it in your own strength and you try and work this through without the last two, then you, you're doing it, it will, it will fail. So, um, uh, let's, 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 uh, let's move then to, I've got, uh, I've got another scripture I want to show you and then we're going to close. So, John 15 is a very powerful image which, which Jesus uses a, a parable to explain this process, which is the vine. I'm the vine dresser and my father is the, the I'm the vine, my father is the vine dresser. In verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Another way would be to say, as we can't walk in the spirit by ourselves, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So how do we abide? What do we actually do to abide in him? Well, the strange answer is, if you keep my commandments, which are to love one another, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. But hang on, Jesus, isn't that, what, isn't that the fruit that comes? That, which comes first? Do we, do we keep your commandments and then that abide, causes to abide in you, which gives us the strength to keep your commandments? It's like a chicken and egg. Well, actually, it is a chicken and egg because it's, it's like being tuned to him. As we're tuned to him by, by resting on him, to love and letting his love through us, then the, 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 the vine, the, the sap from the vine will flow into us more, which will let us be tuned to him more. And so these things work together. So the answer then that Jesus is giving here is it's a process of learning to live in love that's dependent on me. And as you depend on me, you'll bring forth fruit, and as you bring forth fruit, you'll become more dependent on me, and more of my power will flow in you. Does that make sense to you? So it's a circular argument, but yes, it is, because it's about being tuned. So I'm going to end up with the slide that I gave you just now, and this is the process of becoming attuned. I'm just going to read this through. We'll close in prayer, and then we'll have a song. So attention. Give attention. In some ways, this is the most important because if you miss this, you'll miss the whole thing. Give attention to your thoughts. Be that person that just steps back a bit and says, that was a thought. Where did that come from? Give attention. Believe that you're a new you. Believe that you're not trapped in, locked into the old way of behaving. There is another choice because as Paul says, the flesh has been crucified. Then, 
just call for support confidently. Say, Jesus, you promised. You said, if we abide in you, I want to abide in you now. And then just walk out. Just don't sit there thinking, oh, has this power come into me yet? I can't feel any sap from the vine yet. I better wait. No, no, that's not what we do. We pray. We say, Lord, I'm asking you for this strength to live in the spirit. And then you walk out and you do it trusting him. So that's my suggestion. And part of giving you a handout is because I want you to take it home with you. And I want you to try walking this out this coming week and learning to live by this. And it's just a start. Like, this isn't going to be a magic bullet. It's, it's a practice that we have to grow in all our lives. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have given us new life in your spirit. Lord, we thank you for the victory that we can have And Lord, we pray that you will help us to live in your strength and to love in your strength and to grow in this and be attuned to you that your power will flow into us. Lord, help us this week as we try and walk this out through your strength. In Jesus' name, amen.